Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, absolutely lovely that, uh, you know, you're with us, be it that you're listening uh, via the audio podcast, as usual, or perhaps you're following us on YouTube and you've just joined, joined in. Uh, but welcome, welcome, welcome. Three points for Liverpool. Three marvellous points. And I'm joined at the moment by three marvellous guests. Um, we've got Jack Mac LFC, we've got Kofi, and we've got Doug all in the house, which is absolutely beautiful. And hopefully we can get Adelaide, the design emit, on the line as well. Maybe he's uh, he's found a good yeah. mic to plug in. Adelaide, how's it going? Uh, good evening, Owen. It's good to be here. So happy to have you with us. Kofi, I'm going to start with you then. Kofi, how are you? How are you, sir, from LFC Reactions? Yeah, um, good to be back on. Second second appearance now. Um, this time with a win to talk about. So yes. not much of... Like not like last time where I was talking about a gloomy draw with uh, Spurs. So <laughs> it's nice to be talking about um, all the things that went right today. So yeah, yeah and, and what are they, Kofi? What what you know? Immediately, what's the first sort of positive that you can take from that match? Um, more than one goal happened. <laughs> Most importantly, uh, yeah, obviously with the last game against Arsenal on Thursday, um, it, it was almost as if we were just lacking complete lack, uh, lack of cutting edge. Um, this time against Brentford, um, we managed to show a bit more adventure, um, managed to get on Curtis Jones and Oxley chamberlain provide a bit more fluidity to our game, a bit more, um, be a bit more dynamic um, with possession on the ball. And yeah, we reaped the rewards. So Good to have three points on the board and hopefully kickstart this momentum going into the this period of the season. Yeah, totally, totally, absolutely. Yeah, great answer, great answer. Doug is here from the Douglas from the Dugout YouTube channel. Welcome back, Doug. It's been a long time. Um, you know what? Are, what are the positives for you? Uh, Kofi's talking about the, the the amount of goals we scored, the general brightness in our attacking play. What about, what about you? I think it's just uh, to get the shots on target. Uh, to be, to be perfectly honest, I mean, you know, one one shot on target against ten men the other night was really, really poor. But I thought there was more fluidity today through the through the midfield and obviously, you know, through to the the attack today as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's great to you know score three goals. And uh, I never thought I'd be saying Fabinho um, is on a bit of a goal streak at the moment. Um, which which is always nice to see. It's always nice to see, you know. Uh, I don't think it would be the Brazilian that would be on a goal streak, but um, but no, Fabinho. Um, great to see him scoring. It's that that must, you know, Fabinho. I think has only had like I think two goals maybe a season. That's now I think his third or fourth this season. So, but no, very very happy uh, against the Brentford side. Who, you know. People may be a bit worried for them, but for me, I think I think they'll be fine. I think I think they're going to be staying up in this league. Um, I think the teams below them. I think I think they've got too much to catch up with. So, um, but Thomas Frank, Brentford, breath of fresh air. But I'm very happy with the three points. Yeah, wonderful answer, excellent stuff. Um, there was more fluidity in midfield, wasn't there, Jack? It was nice to see compared to Arsenal. I mean, was that a question of pers personnel? The fact that we we had some different. Uh, you know, diff different players in midfield. Of course, Milner didn't start. And uh, we also had, uh, um, who else we have? Taki was on the bench, uh, replaced by by Chamberlain. So do you reckon it was personnel or, or what was the big difference for you? 
the Anfield crowd, I think, mate. And I think the, the, the crowd are very much up for it. We, we all heard from at home. Um, but he's spot on. Curtis Jones, he offers a whole different... He opens up a, a game, doesn't he? From that left-hand flank, cutting inside. He's got the ability to go out wide if needed. When Jota was going into that, those central pockets. Yeah, it was... It was a much improved performance, as the lads already alluded to. Every aspect of our game, which we'll discuss tonight, was was absolutely on the money. Um, but the, the midfield was a much better performance. Probably one of the best performances we've seen in, a, in quite a couple of weeks. Um, but the crowd didn't allow the players. They give all the confidence to the players and and they fed off it. And what I loved the most, I don't know if you lads picked up on it after the game, was... How much it meant to Jürgen Klopp. You've seen him. We've seen Jürgen fist pump the crowds for the last couple of seasons, but that for me looked different. He's not given up on this title. I know quite a lot of Liverpool fans around the globe might have thrown the towel, and I've said it a couple of weeks ago, but anything's possible in football. But what that showed from Jürgen Klopp that he, he, he's never going to give up a title, a football game, but that will give our lads so much confidence in every aspect and going into the Arsenal game, they're throwing in the towel against Spurs because they're bottling it in a North London derby and we'll go to at the Emirates and hopefully have a performance like that. We'll we'll breeze past them quite with quite e- with a lot of lot of ease, I'd like to say. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully so. It's uh it's uh I don't know, we've got all that to look forward to. I I haven't given up. I mean, you know, I said this last time, I'm not gonna give up until uh, Big Sam's wife sings, as the old proverb goes. Uh, but I don't know if, if you know, because I learned a new proverb yesterday, um, and a new proverb I learned was a French one, and it basically translates to, um, if those who go to bed with an itchy butthole wake up with a smelly finger. Uh, and it's something to do with that, um, with the inevitability of of, of all of that. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think, uh, Adelaide? Do you think uh, if your mic is working, if your connection's okay, hopefully you can press uh, the mic button, it's going to work. And uh, do you think it's all inevitable that, uh, you know, Man City are going to keep the distance, keep, you know, keep this gap between us? Or do you think uh, Liverpool still have a chance? Oh, no, I think it's not going to work, is it? Oh, okay. Uh, Kofi, I'm going to ask you the same question. Kofi, what do you think? Um, um, yeah, my thoughts. Uh, personally, I think this Man City side just have too much at their disposal. Obviously, math- until it's mathematically impossible to, to win the league, you can never say never. Um, we've won one of our games in hand now against Brentford. We've got another game in hand coming up against Leeds. Obviously, then we got to play Man City at the Etihad. And then who knows, maybe the running, you might see some miraculous turnaround. Anything's possible in football, of course, but I have to be logistic. And at this moment in time, um, I think Man City will just about get get another Premier League title at their disposal. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep our league games consistent because obviously we want to come into a good run of games coming into the other competitions as well. It's very important that we hold ourselves to a high regard. Um, regardless of whether we think the title race is over or not, it's very important to Liverpool and to Jurgen Klopp especially. He's not going to allow standards to drop coming into um, the UEFA Champions League, FA Cup, etc. So it's just important just to keep that winning mentality going. And if any e- e- um, external circumstances work in our favour and then it, and then there's a huge 
swing in the title race, then yeah, we can fans can begin to believe again, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it it it, 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 it it's a very uh, sticky situation. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. A sticky situation. Yeah, I mean we are we are way behind. Um, I don't know, Adelaide. Have you given up on your on the on the Premier League, or is it still a possibility? Well. To me, I don't really think Liverpool has what it takes to tussle City for the title because looking at our past few games, we've not been really consistent. We've not been consistent when it comes to scoring goals, keeping clean sheets, and when it comes to comparing us with a Manchester City side who have what it takes. You know, I mean, this side have also been hit with COVID even though it's been minimal. Yeah, definitely it's been minimal, but this side have... We've seen players like Jack Grealish go out, Ryan Sterling go out, Phil Foden at some point, go forth and back. And this city side still keep getting three points, maximum points. I mean, we saw when Chelsea came to Etihad over the weekend and City got that extra bite to defeat uh, Chelsea, even though it was a tight and keenly contested encounter. But when we played against Chelsea, we saw what happened. We lost a two-goal lead. So games like this, you know, at the end of the day, later comes to determine who goes on with the title. So looking at Liverpool, although we got to three new victory over Brentford, but she should have been six. So we've not really been clinical in front of goal recently. And against us now, we were all over the place. So looking at this kind of run for Liverpool, it's not a run for who wants to win the title. So if we're going to win the title, we got to string a lot of consecutive victories because catching up against City is going to be very, very difficult. It will be difficult, but not impossible, not impossible, because I think, you know, I think Liverpool on our day and, you know, when we are getting uh, Harvey Elliott back from injury and it does depend on injuries. But I just refuse to to throw in the towel. I would say that, you know, Man City probably have, a, you know, around about an 80 percent or even 90 percent chance of winning the league. Um, but I just think that if we were... Because the gap is so big, but then if we were to win just our game in hand and the match against City, then there's only five points. And at that point, City might think, oh man, we've blown a 13-point a lead to a five-point lead or whatever it is. So, you know, they, they might, you know, the jitters might start to come. And also they have a hard run of games from the middle of February onwards. I don't know, Doug. What? How do you feel about this title racer? Am I barking up the wrong tree to suggest we've even got a chance? No, I don't think you are. Um, look, nothing's won in January. Nothing's won in February. Nothing's won in March. It's all about you know where, whether or not we're there, thereabouts by April or May. Um, so for me, I don't think the league is over. I don't think the league is over. Yes, City are have been fantastic. You know, they're they're in a very very commanding position, but. The way I look at it is that they haven't really had a run of really, really tough games where you're you're like they could easily you know draw or lose you know and, and yeah that, that that February you're talking about is very very tricky for them so no I don't think, I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination the only thing we need to be is consistent we need to be consistent enough to you know win game after game and you know I'm very very hopeful that we can. You know, do that. Obviously, after Palace, um, we've got this international break, which um, I'm like, okay, at the end of January. I don't think there'll be one at the end of the January. And then, obviously, we've got the FA Cup game against um, Cardiff to come. And then we've got Leicester City. And then I think after that, um, it'll be the Champions League. So we've got a good run of fixtures coming up, I think. And I'm hopeful by then the you know game in hand over Leeds whenever that may be. I don't I don't know if that's been even rescheduled or anything like that. 
you know, if we can win that, gaps down to eight points, City drop a f- drop a, a few points, then you know we, we we could easily be, you know, four or five points behind them. So, no, no, I'm 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 not giving up on this on this league. Not a chance. Great answer. Absolute stuff. Well, absolutely sorry, absolute stuff. Absolutely lovely stuff. Even, um, yeah, Jack. Um, I thought there were loads of positives from today. Although it, there were there were moments before. Oxlade Chamberlain's goal, the second goal, mm. where uh, various parts of my body started twitching uncontrollably, and I was getting a bit tense, Jack. Um, that header, what I loved most about that goal was the belief, because when a mm. ball is being swung in like that from Robertson, it was a beautiful ball, I, it's, it takes belief to dive for the header that Chamberlain did. And I loved the way that he believed that the defender was going to somehow miss it with 100%. Because if you, we saw a couple even in, in today's game where the player behind is sort of surprised that a defender misses the ball and then they, they mess up the chance. But Chamberlain 100% believed that it could happen. It could happen. Mm. And it did happen with a beautiful... Um, a beautiful, beautiful finish in the end. and But it was the belief that I loved from Chamberlain. Um, in general, though, I would say that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain doesn't belong on the right side of, of an attack. And I, and I don't know mm. what you think of Chamberlain's performance in general. Yeah, it was a, it's anticipation a massive factor in football, isn't it? and I think that's something that has been thrown out at Ox this season for me when I've done my shows just you want that bit, little bit extra, but it's understandable when you've got coming from his injuries. Is, is when he goes in for a 50 50, when he come off today, you're like, Oh, the worst thing that could have happened was him. Hopefully, he's, he's safe and ready to go against Arsenal. But yeah, I was massively impressed. That's what you've wanted from Ox that bit more extra, and you got that with the anticipation for the goal. I just hopefully it does fill him with a lot of confidence, and that's something we didn't see against Arsenal. And sometimes when when Liverpool do cross, and it was great, refreshing, that we can discuss, we can speak for a whole whole different show about the, it was like the old school Liverpool were back, getting the ball out wide and actually putting in a world-class delivery into the box. That's something we haven't seen for a very long time. Um, the, the delivery was on point from, from the left-hand side, from Robbo, and obviously from Trent with his set plays and obviously getting... Um, a lovely couple of balls down the side as well. So, yeah, massively impressed with Ox. Um, I'm hoping he's not injured because we do very much need him. And he's got that ability. That's why he's still at the football club. He's very versatile and in every position. Klopp spoke about this season, potentially playing that Bobby role, obviously on the right-hand side. He can play full-back when it's time at Arsenal anyway. Ideally not his best position. His best position is the central areas in the midfield. But we're talking about potentially losing Milner come the end of the season. And if Ox can stay fit for quite a large portion for the rest of his Liverpool career, as long as how long he does stay here, that's, that's another question. But he could be Liverpool's utility man uh, if he does continue the upward trajectory in terms of his on-field performances and improves. But he's not had that consistent run of games and obviously the consistent run of good form in terms of in t- in, when he is on the football pitch. But hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Hopefully he does get in the goals going charts a lot more 
often in the coming months, years possibly. But yeah, the, the, he was he was absolutely superb, mate. But the, the the delivery from our wide positions was was absolutely superb from from everyone, but most importantly, Robbo and Trent for me, mate. Yeah, interestingly, interestingly, according to WhoScored.com, Trent and Robbo, um, Trent had a massive 11 crosses and 17 attempted long passes, of which he only actually succeeded in nine of them. I mean, those that succeeded were extremely dangerous generally, um, whereas Andy Robertson had 11 crosses with only one successful with eight long balls and three successful, although his overall passing was 87.7% accurate compared to Trent, who just had 68.4%. Um, Kofi, do you think Trent is still shaking off the COVID or was it a lot better from him today compared to against Arsenal? Um, yes, at the Arsenal game, um, we were told he only had just the one training session. and then So you could understand lack of match sharpness affecting... Um, his performance at Arsenal, I'd say. Um, in terms of the game today against Brentford, yeah, he, he did have a little bit of hot and cold spells, but there were times where I was seeing Trent coming in narrow in the first half, and Henderson was occupying the wide areas where you, where you'd rather see Trent just occupy the wide spaces and whip the ball in constantly, and that may be affected um, crossing accuracy in terms of um, trying to create chances. Um, there was also one little bit shaky moment in the first half where he did pass the ball on uh, to a Brentford player unprovoked, but luckily nothing came of it. So again, that could be due to lack of match sharpness, and then I think uh, due to tactical tweaks at half time, um, we were just told to just be a bit more adventurous. And yeah, both fullbacks, Robertson and Trent, um, had had uh, had better focus with um, their passing accuracy. Uh, and yeah, it was coming off way more. Liverpool were just constantly bombarding um, Brentford in the second half. So I'd say that um, Trent is now beginning to build up that match sharpness that we saw um, when he was in scintillating form um, in the middle part of the Premier League campaign season. And hopefully this form now continues um, going into the Arsenal game for the Carabao Cup in the second leg. Excellent. Yeah, we'll get on to talking about Arsenal in, in a little bit to preview that. That match. And we also got a great question in, in the chat from Diego, Crystal Palace fan, um, talking about transfers. We're going we're gonna to get on to that also soon. I'm going to stay with the match for now because I want to talk about Curtis Jones. I want to talk about Curtis Jones. He ended up with an 84.8% passing accuracy from 59 passes. Um, offensively, he had a couple of sort of pot shots, Adelaide, didn't he? Um, but I mean, you know, who would you, who do you prefer in general and why when you compare if you're going to have Fabinho and Jordan Henderson definitely playing when Thiago is out, um, especially and, and as, as a partner to him? Do you prefer Curtis Jones, Adelaide, or do you prefer James Milner and why? Well, to me, uh, Curtis Jones, it's contribution to the game of football for Liverpool. That's what we've missed in a while. His flair, his attacking impute, his, being, his ability to dribble, want to make a successive passes. I think when it comes to James Milner, I think Milner, Milner is good. Milner is better when it comes to the physical part of the game. But when it comes to going forward, when you have, uh, when it comes to going forward, I would prefer Curtis Jones due to the fact that you already have a certain Fabinho who does the dirty work in the midfield, and uh, Jordan Anderson who translates the midfield into the attack. So a player like Curtis Jones might just be that key to connect a midfield 
to create a midfield uh, where you can have where you won't be needing Firmino to drop deep always. So far, you have a Curtis Jones in midfield. Curtis Jones is a player who can get translate the passes from Fabinho from Jordan Henderson straight into the attack if Salah is playing or we have uh, Jota, Firmino and uh, Messi, Minamino or uh, the absence of Salah and Mane. So, uh, to me, I'll be preferring uh, Curtis Jones because if I'll be taking Milner, then Milner will be for the crosses and uh, also for the physical part of the game in the midfield. But for the fact that we already have Jordan Anderson and Fabinho in that midfield, I think taking Curtis Jones as the third player in the midfield is just is a no-brainer for me. Yeah, great answer. Excellent stuff. I think Curtis is a wonderful player. I love the way he keeps the ball in tight areas. As you mentioned, he's dribbling. He had three successful dribbles today. Um, both of his shots were on target, they said, including that one on the turn uh, that he tried, you know, trying to catch the keeper off guard. I thought that was a, that was cheeky, as Klopp would say. And he, he's got that cheekiness about his game that's so, that's so nice. Um, yeah, um, going forward, uh, Doug, our front three, I mean, First of all, Jota was was in a much more comfortable position compared to being out stuck out on the right against Arsenal. I thought I thought today he was much more comfortable off the left working with uh, Bobby Firmino. But I thought Bobby Firmino was was my man of the match because in his seventy seven minutes on the pitch, I thought he did absolutely everything apart from score a goal. His passing success rate was eighty nine point seven percent from thirty nine passes. And if you compare that to Chamberlain, for example, who was also playing up there, um, he had only 24 passes with a 79.2% passing accuracy. So 89.7% passing accuracy. When you think about it, when Bobby Firmino at any point in that match was being marked by three massive Brentford bully boys, you know, Bobby's was was graceful. He was skillful. Um, he got in a couple of tackles. He was he was absolutely supreme today, and we miss him when he's not there, Doug. We miss him badly. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I, I fully agree with what you've said on um, Firmino and Jones. I think uh, it's nice, nice to see Curtis Jones back in the team. Uh, I think we've been missing that. Just been missing that kind of player who just likes to have the ball at his feet, and you know he can do trickery like he did. Yes, he had a couple of opportunities, but. You know, he was trying to catch Alvaro Fernandez off the off his line, but do you know what? I thought Bobby today was much much better, and I think you now see Jota in his preferred position. I think that's what Jota was brought for was to be that Mane sort of replacement, not to be a replacement, but sort of like be be a sort of another um, competition for him in that position. And you look at him today, much much better. On the right-hand side against Arsenal, it looked really, really isolated. But today, I thought he was excellent. Really unlucky not to get a goal as well, Jota. Really unlucky. The um, snapshot onto the post uh, as well. But yeah, I, it, it was it was a nice it was nice for the third goal. Nice for Taki to get a goal on his birthday as well. Uh, and yeah, it, it, like as a goalkeeping mistake. I mean, you know, they've not got David David Raya. I think I think it's safe to say David Raya is much much better than that Alvaro um, Fernandez. I know they had Jonas Lussel on the bench as well, but I felt today we were much much better. And yeah, Bobby going through the going through the middle as well was was excellent. And yeah, nice nice of him to get a you know a, a very good assist uh, as well. But yeah, we are a better team with him in the team rather than without. I think we've we've kind of said that as well, but. For me, Jota on the left-hand side is a must for uh, Thursday. 
must must play him on the left hand side. Not none of this out in the right rubbish that that he, he did against um, Arsenal. Like he wasn't he wasn't great against Arsenal, but you know everyone wasn't great against Arsenal. Uh, Matt it was probably our man of the match against Arsenal. In all honesty, um, if I had to give a man of the match, I'd have to go Curtis Jones. I think Curtis Jones for me was was really really good. Um, but Bobby a close second, probably followed behind like a Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, it's nice to be talking about victory. It's nice to see some smiles on our faces as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, no, it's been it's wonderful. But it's the fluidity that Bobby Firmino gives our our entire team. Um, you know, he was. I was watching him like a hawk. I was watching Jota like a hawk as well that you were mentioning. And Kofi Jota has had some. Uh, he's had some uh, some criticism on Copon recently, um, especially regarding keeping the ball. Um, his passing accuracy in, in some of our recent performances has been, you know, as low as I think it was 47% in one match and 55% in another match in terms of just trying to keep the bully, giving it away all the time. But today it was up at 81.6%. So bravo to Diogo Jota. He managed to get six shots away in total. Two of them on target. He didn't score. Um, he missed a, a couple of good chances, I would say. There's that one that, that he hit sort of straight at the keeper when there was a the gap was on the near post for a low shot. But uh, Kofi, what do, what do you think of um, Diogo and Bobby Firmino playing together? You know, what did you think of how that worked today? Yeah, um, came off much better today than um, what happened in the Arsenal game. Um, yeah. Jota occupying the left-hand side. Um, he made sure that his build-up play was, had a bit more finesse to it as opposed to on Thursday where sometimes it feels like Jota is just passing for the sake of it. Um, but yeah, he, he likes to be the guy that's getting on the end of the chances. But with no Salah, no Mane, he has to learn to get that to adapt that part, that, that part of the game um, to create chances and build a chemistry with Bobby Firmino. And you were seeing them intertwine beautifully in the second half and it was causing Brentford all kinds of problems. Um, and yeah, that's what Firmino, Firmino um, the most unselfish number nine probably in world football, um, with that chance where he could have had a shot um, for the third goal and he just gave it to Takumi Minamino, ego may have a birthday goal. Um, yeah, that's, Bobby's that kind of unselfish player where he will keep feeding you chances and he will keep helping, try and boost other players' confidence as opposed to being the selfish striker and think about all the glory and all the rewards for himself. And that's what really helped Liverpool in terms of the, the core of their system, relying on Firmino, him, him picking up uh, the ball in the half spaces, whereas other players wouldn't be so comfortable picking up um, the ball in certain areas like that and then um, our, our attacks break down. So... And it also relieved pressure on other players like Henderson. He realised, OK, let me just keep the ball ticking. Let me just recycle the ball as opposed to, oh, let me let me let me have the onus on me to keep delivering 30, 40 yard passes where pass accuracy would be affected and fluidity would be affected. But um, in terms of Jota um, learning to play without Salah Mane, this was a good game against Brentford where because obviously due to their lack of personnel, lack of quality, he can um, be a bit more experimental with uh, link-up play. And yeah, he was very unlucky to score um, today as well with the both chances. And hopefully that's a partnership that continues for the next couple of games before Salomone come back. 
Yeah, excellent answer. Excellent answer. Um, great stuff. Jack, um, going go to looking at our defenders, I mean, you know, we didn't have all that much defending to do mm. uh, because I think that, you know, the midfield was really good. You know, it, it's before the game, if you compare this Brentford match to the, the other Brentford match, you know, I was, I was, I was looking for us to, 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 to avoid, for example, against Brentford the first time round, we had loads of times where Trent was isolated against two of their players. Loads of times. It happened about 15 times in the match. It was crazy. But this time, um, we managed to, 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 to shut that down by outnumbering them in midfield. But the other thing I was looking for us to improve upon was Jean Matip against uh, Ivan Tony. And in the first match, Matic was struggling. He, I think he lost quite a few, a few um, headers against Tony, and he he looked like he was a little bit off the pace. But today, I mean, he had another one of those slalom runs that almost <laughs> ended in a goal. One day it will, and we're going to go absolutely crazy. But he was generally there were a couple of mistakes for him, a couple of unforced errors. But generally, he read the game beautifully well. He covered. Um, uh, Virgil extremely well, and he looked back to his best. Um, do you think? Uh, what do you think about Joel Matip, especially? Uh, do you think that having Ibu there pushing him is is really good for us? Yeah, it's tremendous, mate. It, it, having Ibu and obviously Nat Phillips when he has played <laughs> one of the very few games, but when he's come in, but we're we're allowed this season to touch with everyone. Um, he's been sound in, in terms of being available. Um, but I was what I was re-watching that game earlier on in the season, mate, and the the goals which we conceded when we took the lead twice, it was just calamitous in terms of obviously the the six so when it was on the six yard line, the, the, the two or three of the goal, I think all of them were just ricocheting all over the box, and it's just a lack of composure. But today we're a completely different animal in relation to that. Joel Matip for me, if it wasn't for Sally and obviously Jota getting all the goals this year. It'll be a strong contender for my one of one of my players of the season. If he does continue in this run of vein of form, he's he is having a better season than Van Dijk by a country mile. Um, but he is, I tell you, if he does, he's gonna score one of the goals of the season, and he he's just gonna go past the bar a messy style esque run and just batter one from like twenty five yards in the yards from the top of the goal. Matt it done. Uh, yeah, and it, we had we had a cheeky Allison goal last season, and I think Joel Matip. Oh, tell you what, Twitter would have an absolute field day out of context. Out of context, Matip. He's gonna he's, when when that day does come, and I'm pretty sure it will come very soon if he continues doing what he's been doing. But yeah, it, he embodies everything about Liverpool. He's confidence. He's composed on the ball. That's what you want from a centre half. And I tell you, free transfer. I know he's had his injuries in the past, and but. When he is fully fit, I tell you, we all know know how good Joel Matip is. That you don't need to remind any Liverpool fan, but the rest of Europe needs to take a lot more concentration and just watch this lad because I think if we are going to go far in Europe, we are going to go far in the league, solidify top four, for Champions League football next season, any cup competitions against Arsenal, he is going to be the key for Liverpool at the heart of that Liverpool defence. Great answer, great answer, and his partner Adelaide, his partner. Old uh, Virgil, um, is he back to his best? I see to ask this question a lot uh, this season, but I think it's very important. Is Virgil well and truly 
back to his very best in, in general? Oh, well, I won't say Virgil van Dijk is back to his very best because, oh, well, firstly and first and foremost, his injury to 53 days, that was massive. It was a long day out. And to first of all, see him back as that top shape, that's, it's so great. And I must commend him for the job well done. But now going forward for Virgil van Dijk this season, he hasn't really been the Virgil van Dijk before the injury. And I'm, I'm thinking that was because he was at the peak. He was in the top four, you know, playing a whole season, going up 50 games or thereabouts without being dribbled past at the time before he went injured. So I think he was at the peak of his career, peak of his game in Liverpool. Then he went injured, and then he lost almost the whole season injured, not kicking a ball. So for him to return and still make Liverpool start in eleven, I think that's so massive for the Dutchman. But now going forward, I see some of his games. Virgil van Dijk, some days he can be the Virgil we've known before, and some days it would be the Virgil we've never seen before. So it's it's the consistency has been off track for him, and it's saddening sometimes when I see some balls and be like, oh no, Virgil should have done better there. Virgil should have gotten the ball past there. Um, get like a get like the goal, the uh, this Lukman's goal against Liverpool. Lukman's goal for Leicester against Liverpool. I was thinking. Virgil van Dijk should have done better there. But uh, also against Chelsea, he made some errors. But his overall gameplay against Chelsea was still okay to me in my books, I would say. So, I am still think that Virgil van Dijk still needs more games to get back into his former form. It might not even be in this season. And another thing is that Virgil van Dijk is already 30. So, he's not getting any younger also. So, get, for him to get back to that form that we've known before, it's possible we might have it back and it's possible... We might not have it back, I must say. But what, what, with all we standing, I still think the Virgil van Dijk currently in the Liverpool squad is still a Virgil van Dijk that is married to be to break into any team centre back pair in in the whole world. So I still think uh, he still has all it takes to play two three years in Liverpool in the heart of defence. But he's very grateful Liverpool to have gotten a player like in Ibrahim Akunate. He's twenty going in twenty one, and he has a game similar game style to Virgil van Dijk. Seeing this guy in a few years is gonna. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the go-to guy to replace him. Easy peasy. So, I think Liverpool have no worries. They have no troubles when it comes to their art of defence. I think with Ibrahim Akonati there. And I'm also thinking Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez, although this season has been appalling, although he has not really gotten the game time, definitely has not really gotten the game time. But I'm thinking if Joe Gomez can get a run of games like he got before he got back injured, he might be the guy to pair Konate in the future. Well, who knows? But currently, I still think Virgil van Dijk is still hockey and good to go. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, it's really interesting about Joe Gomez, isn't it? I was thinking about, about him the other day, just thinking, well... Is he going to get a chance at Liverpool? You know, especially you know his his reputation still really high, and he's got every chance to 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 become to to get his best form back and to become a great defender again. But he's well and truly fourth in the pecking order, as you say, Virgil Van Dijk, thirty years old. He's managed um, one thousand six hundred and twenty minutes in the Premier League this season, and if you compare that to Joel Matip who's managed 1,000, I'll just bring it up again, 1,350 minutes in the Premier League um, this season, which is a record for Joel Matip. It's, it's, sorry, it's the second best he's managed. It's the best he's managed since the 18-19 season when he got 1,537 minutes. So Joel Matip on 1,350 minutes, Virgil already on 1,620 minutes. So that's brilliant from Virgil. Um, so yeah, um, Alan's in the chat and he said he, he agrees with Jack about Joel Matip. He's up there with the best in Europe, 100%. Yeah, we are all in agreement there. 
totally totally um yeah i've already said uh Firmino is is my man of the, uh, man of the match doug you've already mentioned uh curtis jones uh as as your man of the match um but yeah i don't know um I, 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 I'm going to say, um, let's just get a man of the match from from Kofi and from Jack, and then Doug will come back to you with a, a new question. So, Kofi, who was your man of the match? Yeah, I'd give it to Firmino as well, just because of because of him. Fluidity was key in the second half, and Liverpool showed a bit more purpose with their game. And without without Firmino, I don't know how the outcome of the second half would have been. I'm sure we would have still won the game, but. It would have been a little bit more, um, a bit more um, nail biting, so to say. So, yeah, Firmino's influence definitely my man of the match. Excellent answer, excellent answer. So we've got two votes for Firmino. We've got one for Jones. Jack, I'm coming to you next, and I'm coming to you, Adelaide. But Jack, um, you know the man of the match. I don't want to influence you, but who scored? Com for Fabinho. There's some interesting stats. He had two shots, both on target. Four key passes in the match, which was the most in our team, and seven aerials won for Fabinho, who scored, gave him man of the match with a whopping 8.65 out of 10. He was a monster as well. Who was your man of the match, Jack? Yeah, I'm going to be a diff- bit different. We were like, oh, we picked him. But I'll go Vox, just because mm-hmm. from what I've been saying for me personally over the last couple of weeks, I've wanted to see. See a bit more. It's chalk and cheese in relation to back-to-back performances from the Arsenal game. Quite a lot of the players have vastly improved on on the back of that ninety minutes, but it was just that little glimpse. I'm hoping that he's fully fit. But for me, um, Ox just for that anticipation, that goal, that confidence to go for the ball, especially with his head. That's something that we haven't seen in a very long time since he got injured all those years ago against Roma. Um, hopefully, he can elevate those heights. But if he continues the way he has done, then I'm pretty sure it'll be massive for us. But yeah, I'll be different. I'll go with Ox for me personally. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. I mean, in my notes, looking through my match notes very quickly, because I, I take notes these days to help me remember. And to be honest, Chamberlain was uh, was uh, at the end of quite, quite a lot of written abuse uh, on my part, so apologies for him because the, the second goal was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, you're absolutely right, but I th- I th- he didn't strike out. Strike me as being the best player, but that's a great shout. Thank you. It's all about opinions. Adelaide, what do you reckon? Well, to me, I'll be well. To me, I'll be going with uh, coffee on this. I think Roberto Firmino, the Brazilian striker, to me gets the man of the match performance against Brentford because of his older play, his contribution in the attack. I think without Firmino in that attack, if I did been it was a certain Minamino, with all due respect, I think that there would have been that such fluidity in terms of connecting Alex Oxley Chamberlain alongside Diogo Jota on the left. And in the midfield also, I think uh, Firmino was like the cog in that wheel, in that uh, in that deep line forward position. The way he oiled up play. I saw him in the game in the second half particularly. It was fantastic. He collected counter-attacks and made sure Liverpool had players up front and distributed the ball. And also with the times when our players weren't in a position where they can receive passes, I saw where he made some samba skills where he, uh, he himself is... Uh, God-given talent, oiled up the ball with himself and made sure the Brentford players had no chance of taking that pass in. So I think uh, Firmino, even though he didn't get a goal in that game, he only got an assist, giving Minamino a birthday gift in that one. I think uh, Firmino, to me, deserves the man of the match performance. 
Great answer. Fabulous answer. Excellent stuff. Well, there you go. So Liverpool um, leave Anfield with three points against Brentford. In other news, there's been a lot going on. Alan in the chat is asking for a shout out to Phil Coutinho and Stevie yesterday. We will get, get to laugh at Man United in a little bit, but I want to talk to you about, about transfers, Doug, because I want, you, I want you to, I don't know, what are your hopes that Liverpool will sign anyone compared to what are your hopes that we should sign anyone and who do you hope we should sign? Um, well, I, I don't think we will get anybody in, if I'm being honest. I think it'll probably be more outs. Uh, obviously, <laughs> sorry to dampen the mood, but if I had to say someone, obviously, I think uh, I think obviously Luis Diaz would be would be fantastic, but I don't see us um, paying out the money for him. Um, that that French boy, I can't cannot for the life of me um, pronounce his name. Um, is it too many or someone like that? Like I like obviously oh, my yes, pronunciation. It's, it's it's very good. That was very too good. Many. It's phenetic. It's phonetic. And people people struggle, you know, but I mean unless you're dyslexic, in which case that's absolutely fine. Um, but you can read from from left to right T C H is a ch okay. O U sure. is U, okay. A is a Many M E N I is many, so chua many, chua many. Yeah, um, I, I think Perfect. I think that <laughs> if we were if we were to go for him, I think that would probably be for obviously like one for the future. He's obviously still very very young anyway. Um, I, I've been a big fan of Calvin Phillips. I know obviously he is obviously injured at the moment, but you know Calvin Phillips were leads to. I mean, looking at the table at the moment, like I don't think Leeds are going to go down. I think I think that 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 win at West Ham was absolutely crucial for them in you know staying in the Premier League. And I don't I don't I, I look at the teams like under under them as well. I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to go down anyway. So, uh, but yeah, Calvin Phillips for me would be would be one uh, for sure, and uh, Chiromeni would be would be another one. But uh, real, realistically, I think we'll probably be doing more business in the summer. Interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Diego in the chat had a chat about, uh, um, had a question about Kelvin Phillips, maybe uh, um, Camavinga, but Camavinga's already gone to, to, to Real Madrid, Diego, unfortunately for everybody uh, apart from Real Madrid, because he's a brilliant talent. But yeah, Kelvin Phillips is a good shout. Chua Mane, yeah, some midfield dynamos. Kofi, would you agree? That's the kind of thing we need. I've been saying that for years. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um availability, like I said, is the biggest currency. Um, if these players got good injury record, um, obviously you can add something different, just like how when we implemented uh, Genie Wijnaldum all those years ago and Klopp um, built a system around Genie and then it helps other players, we definitely need that type of signing. Something like a Basuma as well. That, that, that type of role where he can drive with the ball and then provide key passes, cover spaces to allow Trent and Robbo to bomb on. Um, yeah, those, those, them kind of signings I'd, lo I'd love to see. Also, maybe get Jared Bowen in or have a look at Rafinha from Leeds, um, who both had both good games today. And if, if you saw the highlights of the yeah. West Ham Leeds game, that bit of firepower up front. And because Liverpool do need a long-term vision, um, all of our players are turning 29-30. Um if they're all stuck to three, four-year contracts, that means they're all going to be 33, 34 years old together. And if FSG got this sell-to-buy policy, who's going to buy all these 33, 34-year-olds? And if you're relying on that to fund um, these players, 
we're gonna end up in trouble. So we need to have we need to implement a signing. I'd I'd love it to be in January, but I know John Henry and whoever's running the wheel. Um, I know Michael Edwards is going at the end of the season, but I'd love for him just to pull out a rabbit out the hat and just surprise Liverpool fans. But um, it's looking. I'm a pessimist, so <laughs> that's how it is at the moment. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great answer. And yeah, I mean, you, I think, you know, judging by our recent transfer activity, you're quite right to be a pessimist because it doesn't look like it's FSG FSG's policy to spend much money at all. Um, but we, as you say, we kind of, we, we need it more and more, don't we, Jack? I mean, you know, the, the pressing needs. I mean, I was looking at, the, just before you answer, I mean, I was looking at it on Transfer Market. Uh, they have um, the website, they have the squad average ages. And you might be surprised because I co compared Liverpool to Man City and to Chelsea. Liverpool's average age is 27.3. Um, Man City's is 27.2. And Chelsea's is 27.0. So exactly 27 for Chelsea. Um, so maybe um, we're not that bad in terms of age and this team can stick stick together for a couple more years, but I don't know. Um, what, 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 what do you reckon about all this transfer stuff, Jack? Yeah, it's probably James Milne, isn't he? He'll be there until he's 15, still bring that age down, <laughs> won't he? So, he's, uh, <laughs> my, unless the man's Benjamin Button, he's going to get younger. Oh, we wish what it was saying that would be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, Kofi's it, alluded to a player that I absolutely love. And I think a lot, uh, it's, it's, he screams the most Jürgen Klopp signing going. And that's that man, Jared Bowen. I think he's got six goals, seven assists in the Premier League. But you could see how well integrated he could he could just go straight in there. Um, not obviously Salah because he's been tremendous. But I don't think he'd have any issues at all in terms of if he's playing on the left, through the middle or on the right when needed. Um, and then you could possibly sometimes, if you need to transfer Firmino into a midfielder, possibly in that floating number 10 role, or he's got the ability to play. He's got that creativeness that the lads have already alluded to today. Pick up those pockets of spaces from a deep line position. Um, I think the longer his career goes, I think that's where potentially if Liverpool in the future would get a, an out-and-out -out number nine. Um, I don't think that's how we play, but if a scenario did arise, then you've got the option to drop Bobby deeper. Um, but Jared Bowen, I think if do he has to be up there in terms of potential transfers. I think Jürgen Klopp himself, he's hugged him a couple of times. You have to watch. Uh, Jürgen Klopp hugs everyone, um, but you'd always think, it's even when we always play Spurs, he has a good chit-chat with uh, Hummin Son anyway, doesn't he? What a player. I imagine if he played for us, but no chance, especially Levy selling him for about 200 million. Um, but Jared Bowen, it won't be cheap. Now, obviously, the, the West Ham lot, um, obviously, he's where he's probably one of their best players anyway, and they're pushing for Europe. So you're looking at a price tag at at least 50 to 70 million. Well, for me, he's 25 years old and he's got his best years ahead of him, I think. And he'd fill a quota in that English slot that you need. So for me, it, it and then another one is. A dream signing would be um, Jude Bellingham. Um, he, he, the longevity of him, say he, he's got, he's played at Liverpool for like what 12, 15 years. You paid what 100 million. That's pocket change if you space it over what 10, 12 year period. 
Um, I don't think Dortmund would want the money straight away, similar to uh, Usman Dembele and obviously the Coutinho structure in terms of those signings. So, yeah, there's a deal there to be done. And Jude is good mates with Trent. And I'm pretty sure Trent, every time he goes away of England, he's asking Jude, hurry up, mate, come to the book and say, eventually. But it, it's that situation where Dortmund's, in one window, did never allow their... Two, they had three of them, didn't they? They let Sancho go one summer. I think it will be Haaland next, and then Jude will be the last player to go. So, um, even if he did stay at the Bundesliga side for a good another year and allowed Haaland to leave, then we, we, we've we got enough quality in there for at least another year. But I think <laughs> it wouldn't feel like James signed a new 12-year contract. Uh, well, a 12-month contract, Christ, that would take him up to 50. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. Drew Bellingham and Jared Bowen, mate. And I think, I know I say the dream signings, but dream signings, but I think the, for where Liverpool are at the current minute, we, we, we're we one of the elite teams in Europe. I think we sometimes do need to remind ourselves and that, but strengthening when we're on top is something that we haven't done in the past and we need to do in next couple of years. It's a very interesting answer. Um, Jared Bowen, I mean, I, w- I would love the guy. I mean, there were stories of him... Uh, he's from Herefordshire and pre-season, he, you know, he didn't have to, but he did some extra fitness work running through the fields and a rainy English summer. I think he's terrific. And, you know, the, but the problem is, you know, I can't see it. I can't see it because, you know, you, you said sort of 50 to 70 million. I think West Ham could well say, well, you know, his contract doesn't run out until 2025. And, you know, Grealish was 100 million. So we want at least a hundred million for Jared Bowen because I think he's a better player than Grealish. I really do. He's more effective. He's pacier. He's got more gumph, more gusto uh, than Jack Grealish, who basically has had one good, really good season ever. But um, anyway, um, who would you like to see, Adelaide? Would you like to see uh, uh, Jared Bowen, Bellingham? Uh, you know, someone you know, robust midfielders that, or you know, someone else. Well, to me, uh, I don't think Liverpool need just one signing because what currently, I don't think we need a, just a particular signing because looking at our attack, Salah, Mane, aging, see Mane, the money we have currently is not the side of money we've used to have in the past couple of seasons. So I think, and Takumi Minamino has not been able to give us uh, what Firmino has been giving us. So I think Jota currently is still the most capable replacement we have on the front line. So looking at that, I'm thinking we should go for two players. So firstly, that we in the midfield, I'm thinking that sure many the Frenchman will be fantastic to go for. I think this he has he's got agent inside, so it's gonna come big for us. You know, we have a James Milner who should normally should have left Liverpool by now. He's 36, going to 37, and if he's still working into a lineup at any time at any day, I think Liverpool have a couple of questions to answer at in the board. So. I think Jared Bowen would be fantastic. The fact that Jared Bowen is an Englishman, it will help when it comes to the registrations. I think he will be better than certain Rafinha from Leeds. But at the same time, I think a Rafinha or Jared Bowen, anyone you get out of these two players, is going to be fantastic for us on the left, on the right hand side when Salah is not available. And also, so I think those two players, Chouameni and Jared Bowen or Rafinha, will be the go-to, go-to players for us. In this summer, because this January, I don't think we're going to sign anybody. Yeah, that's. I mean, Rafinha is a great call, and I know you've got you've got to head off now, Adelaide. 
so thank you very much for joining us. Um, is there anything you, you want to um, talk about in terms of, you know, a shout out to, to all the great work you do, the broadcasting, the writing? Yeah, thank you. It's been a privilege to be here. This is my first time being on your on your podcast, so it's been fantastic. And to everyone out there listening and watching us live, I say, well done, keep supporting Liverpool. And from here, it's bye for now. Jack, yeah. Kofi, and Douglas, it's nice meeting you guys. Bye. Same to you, mate. Have a good day. <laughs> yes. Take care. Take Cheers, care. Adelaide. Thank you so Take much. Care, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Unfortunately, Adelaide is going to miss out on a bit of fun that we're going to have because someone who is, you know, um, in the chat, it was very good. Uh, Diego was talking about, um, you know, perhaps loan deals. And speaking of loan deals, you know, Phil Coutinho uh, going to Villa, to Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Um, it's pretty funny, Doug, isn't it? The way that he just, you know, he comes back immediately, comes on the pitch and torments them. Yeah, I think if anybody had a prediction of who was to score for Aston Villa... I think Felipe Coutinho would have been high up there because it was just written in the stars. He'd come on for Steven Gerrard. He plays against Manchester United, who he scored against in the Europa League. And I, I thought yesterday, obviously gets an assist with the Ramsey goal. That Ramsey, by the way, what a player he's going to be. That Jacob Ramsey looks absolutely amazing. And then, um, obviously, Ramsey again to Coutinho and the... Uh, I don't know what Varane was doing. Completely misses the the ball, and Coutinho can't even miss. Uh, it has to be said. But I was I was very very happy because I thought Aston Villa deserved. I actually thought they deserved to win. I thought Manchester United kind of when they went two 0 up. I thought they were really really poor, and then after that, Aston Villa kind of. I think they went uh, they went two 0 up against their own play. I thought Aston Villa were the much better side in the second half. Um, but yeah, what what a, what a return for Felipe Coutinho to you know get to, get a, a debut goal and uh, obviously against the the club that he absolutely hates and then just United. So you know it could could not have got off to a, a perfect start for uh, for Coutinho. I did actually say as well. I think Coutinho under Gerrard, this is going to be special. This is not the last of his goals. I think he could score a few. I think you're right. Do you wish him well, Doug? I mean, you know, I, I assume you do. You've forgiven him about his his back troubles and faking his way out of our club. Yeah, I do wish him well. Um, I was, I've been kind of critical of of him, obviously, when he left, but I do wish him well, and I do think he'll do well at Aston Villa. So yeah, of course, of course, I wish him well. Um, obviously, not against us. But uh, against everybody else, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel the same. You've got to forgive and forget in this life. And as long as it's not Fernando Torres, the rat, joining us for a, for a, for a team in the same league. I, I'd say the same way. I don't like it when they join a team in the same league. But making a move to Barcelona, for example, you can understand it. Um, uh, Kofi, um, you know, the, the, it's not the only ex-Liverpool thing that's making the news because Rafa Benitez, of course, um, rumour has it that he's he's been sacked from Everton. I mean, if anything is inevitable, I mean, I mentioned that vulgar French expression at the start of the show. We don't need to go back into those dark depths. But, um, you know, I mean, there was an air of inevitability about it. And there's someone called Prime Liverpool at Footy Stato on Twitter who says, Everton will sack Rafa. He said this yesterday. Everton will sack Rafa. Big Dunk will have five games against the bottom eight and pick up some wins and get the job permanently, leaving them with a shit manager that's difficult to sack. 
based on his club status. That's the crystal ball. That's what's going to happen. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's Everton Football Club. Do you want them to go down, Kofi? Are you just laughing at them? Do you want them to stay in the division so we can keep on laughing at them and beating them at the same time? What do you reckon? What's going on at the old lady? <laughs> well, um, it'd be a dream for Everton to get relegated after what they did since <laughs> last season. I mean, that that one I'll never forget that moment. But they also surprise. They also uh, provide so many comedic moments. So you're like, it's glass half full kind of situation, you know. <laughs> um, in terms in terms of Rafa Benitez um, getting sacked, wow. Um, yeah, it was inevitable. What can I say? Who loses to Norwich? Norwich are the team that donate three points to every single Premier League side. Up comes the eve, and then they somehow bottle it. And yeah, <laughs> I, the, the board that the board had to see that and be like, the team that donates three points, you, you end up losing. Nah, yeah, you're, you're out, you're out. And yeah, only one win in uh, 13 Premier League games, um, and that one win came against Arsenal. So um, that's 11 managers in how many years now for Everton? Um, they're a very yo-yo club. I don't know what the board in at Everton want for their club. Um, their fans seem to be incredibly toxic, and just things don't. And they and they're always stuck with players from different managers. And then you're trying to force a system. It's it's just chaos, chaos all around. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know what the future for Everton holds. Maybe Wayne Rooney might be interested. Maybe Nuno might want to come back, um, redeem himself after what happened with Spurs. Um, or well, Jose Mourinho if he's crazy enough to go there. But uh, yeah, that's apparently. That's so, sorry, sorry to say this. Apparently, I've just read Roberto Martinez and Duncan Ferguson and Wayne Rooney are the favourites to take over at this moment in time. That's oh, crazy. Man. I don't know why Martinez is Belgian manager, right? Currently, yeah. I don't know yeah, why he want to yeah. give that. He's, he's he's already he's already managed the Ev, and he was hopeless. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was. But you said that you, you'd like you'd like them to go down. Wouldn't you miss Kofi just just uh, hammering Everton? I mean, even when they beat us last season, ultimately it was meaningless because we qualified for top four. Mm. You know, I mean, the, that's the only time they've beaten us in twenty years, and it didn't matter a jot. Um, I would. I don't want them to go down. But are you sure about that, Kofi? You want them to go down? Well, I will miss the Merseyside derbies, of course. But um, let's be honest. I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure Newcastle and Norwich maybe occupy two of the last, uh, two of the three spots. Maybe Everton might have some honeymoon period and they just about survive. But for comedic purposes, for the, again them being relegated. <laughs> The ultimate ha has like I'll it would be very I'll be laughing into 2023. So. <laughs> well, yeah, at least, yeah. at least. Uh, Diego <laughs> says in the comments, maybe uh, Frank Lampard, Ole Rooney, and Arteta, or maybe Steve Bruce will have a look in at the Ed Everton job, which is brilliant. Jack, I don't know. What do you reckon? Do you want them to go down? Yeah, most definitely, mate. It's just so fine. Open me Everton, mates. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, we've we've watched all the United, watched Agent Rafford at the Ev. I think Rafford's laughing all the way to the bank. Well, he's like three months yeah. into a three-year deal. 
yeah. and then that's got a agent gotta... is a genius uh, yeah i mentioned this at the, at the beginning of the season rafa's agent is an absolute genius because yeah. there's only one thing that was always going to happen he was going to get the sack yeah. and he's had more golden handshakes at this stage than goldfinger's golf partner i don't know jack but is i would miss them if they went down yeah, just miss the whinging, wouldn't you? Like, you can still hear them from bloody Goddison here. Um, it's either that or them screaming to the ref, free kick every single go. <laughs> it is embarrassing. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 and they, they give as much as they can take. Like, they can't take it. They give a load, especially on social media, and, and even my mates. I haven't had a positive message off them for the bar. Well, since 1995, I wasn't even born then. So, um, yeah, Jack, was... Jack, watch, watch the dust that's coming just to <laughs> your right there. That's from the Everton Trophy cabinet. Yeah, <laughs> now it, it, yeah, as as Colby and Doug have already alluded to, and everyone in chat, like it, it's they're an absolute mess, and it is quite embarrassing for a that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, like even if they did, did I was speaking to my evmates, uh, I'd even said like. Like, jokes aside, who? Like, for me, the most positive appointment would be, say, a Graham Potter. But it's if the board would have the time and the Everton fans, because he'd need at least three to five years to get that whole house in order. Um, I think he's the most ambitious Everton could go. I think you don't want to be going to Martinez. You don't want to be going anywhere near Lampard. Um, Big Sam. He didn't do much, did he? Yeah, West Ham he got sacked as well and or he left. Yeah, but the the thing the thing is the thing is before he was West Ham manager, yeah, he was actually linked with Everton. He has been linked with Everton a couple of times, so Um, maybe third time lucky. Yeah, but it's a good call. It's a good call. But I think Slavin Bilic, I don't know. I heard an interesting rumour about him. Uh, when he signed Arnautovic, was it for West Brom for a club record fee, 30 million, something like that. And uh, it didn't work out at all. But I think Slavin Bilic is, I I might be completely wrong, but he's somehow linked to Arnautovic's agent. And there was something a bit fishy going on with agent's fees and maybe you got a backhander or something like that. I don't know. Uh, so, millionaire uh, payout there. Uh, happy days. Yeah, well, yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> Speaking of agent fees, boys, just got off topic. Man, after, there's something dodgy going on about him and like, the amount what of happened? money that has been exchanged from all those clubs. Has I he mean, got another right? move? Yeah, I don't know what's gone, going on. What's going on yeah, with Morata? He's, he's gone to somewhere else for a couple of mil. I think he, he has moved. In, in this window, so Barcelona, so, somewhere, man. no way. Barcelona have gone for I, I did hear the name Alvaro Morata with Barcelona. Let me just double, let me he just double check. Um, money. <laughs> I yeah. thought they bought Ferland Torres for 55 million. Where's this coming from? <laughs> well, I have no idea. Well, I think in the next 10 years, it was Juventus. FIFA with the match fix and that. <laughs> I think in the next 10 years, when he retires, there'll be some massive investigation with him. He's not even a good footballer. Yeah. I think Gaspar's mean, worth more than him, and he's slightly better. <laughs> what a career he's had. I mean, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia. His career Real Madrid, Juventus, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, and Juventus. And he's rubbish. He's been rubbish at <laughs> all of them. Crap. Absolute rubbish. Um, one of the most overrated strikers, I think, on the planet right now. 
as Alvaro Morata. How he keeps getting all these big, big moves is, is just beyond me. But mm. um, I mean, yeah. I, he must have the he must have the best agent. It reminds me of when um, famously I don't I don't I don't I don't, know, I don't know if you remember the name Julian Faubert. Do you remember in the yes. 0809 season? Remember mm-hmm. the remember the 0809 season? He, he was on. He was. I think he he was playing for West Ham, and somehow or other, he managed to get a loan deal to Real Madrid, and he was shockingly bad. So, whoever's got the best agent obviously gets you gets you a move. But yeah, Morata has had countless amount of chances at these clubs, and. He keeps fluffing up every single time. So you know, if he if he does go to if he does go to a Barcelona, then let him fluff his up up his career. Because you know, for me, Barcelona are finished as a top club at this moment in time. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. And I think on on, on that madness, I think we may as well we may as well leave it with the you know with with dreams of bringing players in. You know, with dreams of Coutinho scoring uh, just to just to annoy the United fans. With dreams of Rafa Benitez sleeping soundly. In his new expensive king size bed, paid for by the Everton uh, kitty and his Liverpool golden pajamas, <laughs> with his yeah. Liverpool pajamas. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And uh, yeah, we're gonna really Liverpool. You know, for us, you know, in the present day, we we still got dreams. We still got our dreams. We got the League Cup coming up. Can't can't wait for that. The FA Cup against Cardiff. The Premier League is not over, guys. I'm gonna keep telling you this. It's not mm-hmm. over. It's not even the mid. You know, the end of January yet. And uh, I think yeah. we're gonna. You know, we're gonna we we're gonna see what happens from here on in. But it's it's looking good. There are loads of positives. And thank you so much. Just uh, Kofi, would you like to tell the listeners before we leave about LFC reactions, please? Yes. Um, tune in to LFC reactions where after every post match game that happens with Liverpool or any other major Liverpool news, I drop my instant reaction, my thoughts about each player, and I deep dive into what I think happened. What I think. Um, has happened in each game and what I think will happen moving forward in the short, medium and long term of the football club. It's very engaging, it's very raw and it's my immediate feeling. It's like literally two minutes after the game is done, I, um, I literally put my heart on my sleeve in my podcast. So tune in to LFC Reactions and yeah, Owen, thank you for having me on the podcast for a second time. Jack, it's nice to meet you once again and Douglas as well, nice. nice to meet you for the first time. Uh, nice to meet you, Coffee. Cheers. Yeah, it's great stuff. LF- LFC Reactions with a Z, in case you listen to the audio thing, you can't see it on screen. So it's LFC Reactions with a Z, everybody. And also, Douglas, you need to tell everyone about the Dugout Football Channel, please. Yes. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, it's nice to it's nice to return to uh, cop on, uh, on on the back of a win. But yeah, you can find me on the Dugout Football Channel. I'm doing loads at the moment. Af- Afcon, Bundesliga, Premier League. Uh, you could probably get Champions League. Um, I- I'm basically just a basic football channel. So obviously, come come and come and check me out um, as well. You can find me on Instagram at Douglas Dorn. My Twitter handle is nod underscore ninety ninety two, and I'm also on Facebook. Uh, Douglas James Horn and uh, yeah fingers crossed we can go through against Arsenal on uh, Thursday excellent stuff and Jack tell everybody about Jack Mac LFC please yeah cheers for having me on Owen thank you very much and everyone at home hope you're having a good weekend after that keep safe and well as well 
his current climate in which we do find ourselves in. But yeah, it was great to speak to Kofi and Dorgan and speak to everyone at home in chat. Uh, yeah, Jack Mack LFC on, on all socials. Uh, there's two post-match, couple of bits of transfer news. But yeah, just follow the Reds. But great to speak to all you lads yet again. And thank you once again, Owen. And uh, yeah, we go marching on to the Arsenal game. Cheers, we do, we do. Arsenal and then Crystal Palace. And thanks to Diego who's been in the comments. He says, uh, Diego says, my Ben Teke, Olise and Conor Gallagher will be ready for your Liverpool. My Eagles are ready. That may be the case. I mean, congratulations on your team, Diego. Doing so well this season. Brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks to, you know, for staying with us. Thanks as well to everyone else in the chat, including Alan and other people. Thanks a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see about Crystal Palace. Maybe Liverpool will get the big guns out and pluck you out of the sky. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but thanks, everybody. And uh, have a great time until we speak next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.